The first thing that came to mind is meditating and the process of not overthinking, not always doing, just relaxing and being and how nourishing that can be for your mental health, for your body. Sometimes some of the best ideas come in that moment of silence. Hi, I'm Angie Clay. Welcome to Liberate and Lather's podcast, a journey to self-care. Self-care is not a scheduled event somewhere deep in your calendar, but a journey to everyday care for your being. I speak with other creatives on how they are implementing self-care using the fundamental keys of wellness to continue to thrive in their businesses and their personal lives. And of course, we do have our cozy conversations, just you and I weekly, on how we talk about gentle ways to make self-care a daily habit. So welcome to Liberate and Lather. Everybody, and I'm back again with a, another lovely podcast. Today we have uh, Jessica Sarkode with us, and she's going to correct me with her name because before we started, because y'all know I'm very transparent, uh, we were practicing, and I am sure I still messed it up. And I was telling her how English is so hard. You know, we have house hamburger, hot dog, you know, there's nothing like, unless you're speaking Spanish, like adios or amiga. We don't have that typically in English. So I'm going to have her correct me and say it and give it justice. So um, we are going to be talking to her today. Um, she is a photographer of Ghanaian descent. And after earning her undergraduate degree at Cornell University, um, she started working briefly in New York City. And then she moved back to Accra in Ghana. Um, there she was inspired by the familiar yet seemingly newness of the city she grew up in. Um, she now works on telling the embellished stories that surround us all. So I'm really excited to talk to her about that because I love storytelling. Um, she also uh, works with things that are often overlooked. Jessica's work predominantly um, comprises travel and documentary narratives. So we're going to have a love and appreciation for that by the time we're finished speaking with her because she comes with it with a very true rawness. Um, she has an attempt to exhibit people and scenes as they really are. She uncovers overlooked stories for inventive brands looking to expose unknown narratives so that their audience is more present, intentional, and reflective. Love it. That's what attracted me to one. <laughs> um, if you want to see some of her achievements, you can go to Allure Magazine, Bon Appetit Magazine, The Body Shop International, and she's also been featured in the African Lens Volume Number Four on OK Africa. So she has a lot of accomplished work around the world. So welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and you didn't do so terrible with the last name. It's Sarkodie, but you have a different accent. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's forgivable. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I wanted and you made an effort. So that's what's important. Well, thank you. I appreciate your kindness with that. So welcome. Thank you so much for um, coming today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I, you know, I did give a round, um, a round 
view of you, but I'm sure there's lots of pieces and different things about um, yourself and your business um, that we'll get into today. So just tell us a little bit about it, about what you do in your own words, if you share with the audience, please. Um, so I guess I'm a photographer um, in the simplest of terms, um, documentary particularly because I am attracted to the beauty that surrounds us. I'm attracted to rawness. I'm not allured by overproduced production sets. So um, I find myself photographing things that already exist and not things that are so really staged, if you will. Um, I am also a digital strategist, meaning I work with um, entrepreneurs, young, small or young businesses to really build a sustainable online business. Um, and I guess my, my, work in, my work in photography and that's my eye really allows me to help um, these brands come up with like a, a, a solid visual identity, which is important in the online space. Mm-hmm. And when you were at uh, Cornell, excuse me if I didn't see it, um, it said you had, you had received your undergraduate degree. Was that in photography or was that in something totally different? No. So, yeah, the funny thing is, so I studied French in undergrad and then I did a minor in business. Um, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't do anything related to photography at all. I only, I only took one photography class when I was studying abroad in Paris, which I almost failed. So I, I, I didn't pick up anything photography related at all when I was in, when I was in university. Uh, I was really just sort of like inspired when I moved back to Ghana, but there was not a bone in my body that even thought about photography as even as a hobby when I was in the U.S. Um, so it seems a bit random, but um, that's <laughs> that's what happened. It's I moved back and then my surroundings became more, started to stand out to me in a way that when you're so used to something, you constantly see it, you don't really notice it. And so born and raised in Ghana, but this was all I knew. And so I didn't really notice anything. And then being away for about five years, I came back and things like really stood out to me. I knew what they were and I understood what they were because I'm from here, but they stood out to me because I hadn't, um, I hadn't seen them in so long and I could see how having lived in the West now for so long, I could see how this would stand out for someone who didn't come from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I don't think it's so random anymore. I think it's more like common. I mean, I think about going through university and what I'm doing now, like I went to school mm-hmm. for community health and I'm totally not doing that. And that's right. Making soap and candles and podcasting and leading journaling classes. And so I just and they uh, the other day there was a very interesting conversation that was held on the clubhouse room, and someone was saying that should we send our children to college? Like mm-hmm. some of their kids, like they didn't want to go, you know. And the parent asked the room of millionaires, like, hey, you know, should we send our kids to college? You know, and mm-hmm. someone's saying, hey, in college you at least find. Um, what you don't want to do sometimes. And sometimes mm. like the things that you do, you do 
you know, study, you end up coming out with a different twist. So it allows you to go meet friends and kind of find out who you are. Right. You know, traditionally go in and come out and say, I'm going to do this one thing, but it helps you kind of figure things out. Right, right. And I think for me, as someone who is from Ghana, the thing I like about the U.S., college experience was that I never, I didn't feel like because I was studying French, I was going to do something with French. Um, it was very clear to me that I could pretty much do whatever. Of course, nothing too technical. Like I couldn't perform surgery because that requires some technical knowledge and know-how. Um, but I never felt like I was sort of limited to language or anything of the sort because of what I studied. So I'm very grateful for that education and at least that mindset within liberal arts colleges in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing. So were there any um, difficult like obstacles that you had to overcome to get you to, you know, help you land to where you are right now? A lot. Um, So I guess in the moment, I didn't think of it like this because photography was never really a go and neither was doing digital strategy. So it wasn't like this big plan that I had in my mind and I was working towards this thing. Um, it was, I think the circumstances very much shaped where I ended up, um, which is common in life. Um, I was working in construction. So in a typical nine to five, Um, there was a lot of difficulty in that space in the sense that um, difficulty and good in the sense that it was a startup. The company was maybe two months old when I joined. It was the founder, one other employee, and I was the second employee. So I, I got to do a lot of different things. I was running the marketing, all of it. I at some point was doing the accounting and I don't really, I'm not an accountant. I don't know much about accounting. I took one basic accounting um, class in uni and now I'm running a whole company's accounting because it's a startup and it was just the three of us. Um, But that experience, although was helpful in the sense that it really pushed me to learn about things that I wouldn't have in a more typical corporate setting where you have a title and you work within that title and you work within that department. Um, in this case, I, I had to do a lot more because the company needed, required that of me as a startup. Um, unfortunately, after I'd say like a year and a half into it, things sort of turned sour because the founder of the company was very much, you know, it was a young company. So there were some, there were some difficulties, some financial difficulties in the company. Um, But the founder of the company was begun to use the company's finances as like his personal bank account. Um, And so things that had to be done in the company were not, obligations that had to be met were not being met. Meanwhile, the founder would be able to take out whatever amount of money he wanted from the company at whatever time. Um, And, you know, I think, yeah, I think seeing this, in my opinion, poor leadership led me to start looking elsewhere for other opportunities and other, um, other things to do with my time during the day and to earn money. Um, And even at this point, I didn't really think of, 
working for myself, like being self-employed and doing photography. At this point, I was already, I had already been photographing just for fun and putting it up on Instagram with no expectation whatsoever. Um, and then it was a few friends around me that were like, well, Jess, you're really good at this thing. Like maybe you should um, consider it for work. Um, but I, I wasn't really convinced and I was still sort of looking for a more traditional job. Like I need to go into the office every day um, because that's just what I'd been taught um, that people do. And that's what I, that was the only thing I envisioned for myself. Um, but I also live in Ghana. And so opportunities here are not as um, abundant as you would have seen in the U.S. in terms of work. And so I was really struggling to find something that was interesting and well-paid and just something that I would enjoy doing. Um, And then I had someone reach out to me about doing commissioned photography work right at this point where I'm already thinking of leaving. And so now I'm thinking twice about some of the comments that my friends passed about maybe doing this for work. And I think it was around this time that, um, and things that the company I was working for were just going from bad to worse. Um, It got to a point where it was cheaper for me to just sit at home and not work than to go to work because my salaries were months late, um, but I still had to pay for gas to go to work. So um, at this point, I felt I really had nothing to lose. Um, I was ready to leave and somebody wanted to pay me to do photography. So I sort of just jumped into it, but not really with the intention of like, this is it. This is all I'm going to do. This is like my forever thing was like, this makes sense right now. And so I jumped into it and then my didn't really have a plan. It was just like, we'll see how this goes. Um, So I guess getting into it, it didn't feel like an for me, it felt more so like I was pushed into it and it, it, it became my escape from a really bad place. Um, but then, of course, there's the difficulties of being self-employed. So once I was in it, there's the difficulties of having no schedule, really, and like not being able to predict much. Um, and for someone who's like used to, who was used to just the nine to five life, it was a, it, I struggled with it um, because I, to some degree, I like planning. I like knowing what's coming my way, even if it's bad. And it's, it's difficult to do that when you're self-employed because no matter how prepared you are, some things will come up that you just don't expect. Um, but it's also been freeing in the sense that it's exposed me to a new way of living in the sense that I have a lot of control over my time in a way that I didn't when I was in a nine to five. Um, But like I said, it's not all roses and rainbows, you know? Um, So there have been difficulties within the self-employment journey, Um, but ultimately given what I went through within the more traditional nine to five role, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I am happy to have control over the difficulties as opposed to to be thrown in the deep end because I have a terrible boss, you know? So it hasn't, again, it hasn't been, it hasn't been all perfect, but it's been a, a really great learning experience. And I would say I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it thus far. 
Yeah. yeah. Being an entrepreneur, it is, I think it's really the way to find yourself because as soon as you think you have it all down, there's another way for you to grow or mm-hmm. to really massage your mindset. Mm-hmm. Just for like podcasting with me, I just totally fell into it. It was just doing COVID. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to interview people. I don't know how to put it in my business. I have to pivot online. And <laughs> um, why not just get in front of other people and maybe their people can become my people and maybe I could grow. And the yeah. next thing I know is like tumbling into this and I'm like, oh, you know, uh, yeah. Like I, you know, I have to learn more skills and I have to you know it's just but it's fun like you said it's fun and um you just get to know more about yourself and as soon as you think that you can't you have to train yourself that you can mm-hmm. and sometimes like turning inward and like coaching yourself saying let's go can be really mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely absolutely and um yeah so I guess I don't I don't like to make it seem glamorous because I think like in today's world there's a lot of like there's a lot of um, there's a lot on social media in particular that is very um, encouraging of this like leave your job like do your own thing and I think the honest truth is that it's not necessarily for everyone um, but again as someone who lives in a place like Ghana I think that there also people in certain circumstances or in certain markets where that becomes the only way that they can do the thing they want to do versus there are people who live in cities where they are like for instance in Ghana there's not a ton of opportunities within the art creative space or scene so if that's the path you choose chances are that you will have to work for yourself but if you live in a place where there's a ton of opportunities and you don't necessarily have to take this huge risk and you can still do it and still have the benefit of like a consistent salary and all of these things I don't see anything wrong with that so yeah I think ultimately it's 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 a combination of finding the balance that works for you um, within your circumstances, right? Um, and so I don't like to romanticize working, being self-employed or working for myself because I see too much of that online these days and I don't think that it's a good fit for everyone. I think there are some people who like structure and like to work with teams and like to know that this is my schedule every day and that's, that's fine too. But everyone's path is different. Yeah, like, yeah, make yeah. 10K today. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 10K today, seriously. You know, yeah. Really like, needing 10K today, you you can hype them up to believe that, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I totally get you. And sometimes, you know, we need those type of people who have structure and work as a team because when you run in a business, the back end, you need you need that. Especially in the creative, I'm like, oh yeah, rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? We need structure? What do you mean? And then that's what I we point is like okay i need you to come in so exactly totally exactly yeah yeah so yeah. do you have fun current projects that you're working on currently ooh um for photography i can't speak about it i wish i could but i do have a project that i'm working on i wouldn't call it fun necessarily um 
yeah, I wouldn't call it fun. I, I would say it's, it's pretty serious work. Um, but unfortunately, I can't talk about it yeah. just yet. Yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. You have some current projects that you're absorbed into. and, and Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think once once things open up more so and it's easier to travel and safe to do so, um, I definitely want to explore photographing in you know, outside of Ghana, like I've mostly photographed in Ghana. And so I would love to take my eye to another, to another country where I don't have the, the um, advantage or the privilege of being from there, speaking the language. Um, so being able to more easily get myself into certain spaces. Um, I'd like to challenge myself and be somewhere where I don't have that privilege and still be able to tell compelling stories. Yes. And I think yeah. that's in alignment with your business because you said like you like to find things that are often overlooked and rawness. So mm-hmm. you can be as raw as like walking into another country and not understanding the language and still be able to capture a story. I mean, that's mm-hmm. true like nakedness. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's always in my experience. I it's it can be tricky because in certain cultures and in certain countries, um, mostly those in the global south, um, their experience with having a camera. Like I've been around New York City and with a camera and photograph, and no one cared. No one had a problem. No one stopped me. Um, but I think, generally speaking, in the global south, there tends to be a, a bit of friction when people see a camera, because historically, it's been Westerners coming into their space and telling stories in the way that is not necessarily accurate or complete. Um, and as a result, people, like even in Ghana sometimes, I'm from here, but people see me with a camera and their guard is up. Um, and so I find that it's not as easy to, at least in my experience, it's not as easy to photograph in this part of the world as it can be in the West. Um, but, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge of being outside of Ghana and again, not having certain privileges because it's my country um, and still being able to connect with people to allow them or to have them allow me still to have them trust me enough to allow me to still photograph them mm-hmm. yeah i'm glad we're having this conversation because i was just with a friend today and she's like hey i like to go on to amazon prime and watch these documentaries of these different countries and i, mm-hmm. I think this is really important that we speak about this because the behind the scenes like it's not always easy to get that footage that you're now mm-hmm. enjoying and like yeah in terms of your home like just to respect the craft because mm-hmm. you know the ones behind the lens have to go through some things to be able to mm-hmm. share what you're seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Go through lots of situations. And I mean, I generally don't photograph um, conflict or situations that could be harmful or dangerous. Um, but there are a lot of people that do. And, you know, being in those spaces um, and being able to capture what's happening um, as truthfully as possible, um, and as neutrally as possible. And so not adding too much of what your interpretation is, 
um, so that the the viewer or the consumer of if it's a video or if it's a photograph, so that there's room for their own interpretation. Um, it's it's not always easy. Yeah, it's not always easy, but you know, I I think that it's it's important work that needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really appreciate it. Yeah. So um, when you feel stressed, how do you find peace again? Like for yourself, how do you do that? Ooh. <laughs> my go-to, this is not the healthiest thing to do, but my go-to is usually a beer or a glass of wine at the end of the day. But I actively try to do a little bit of yoga and a little bit of meditation every morning. Um, and I'm not, I'm not someone, hard routines are difficult for me. So I'm talking 15, 20 minutes of yoga, not like an hour. Because if I did an hour, I'm not going to do it again for like three months. Um, so I'm talking 15 minutes, 20 minutes, sometimes even 10 minutes if I feel like, oh, I have a lot to do today. Um, and then like five, 10 minutes of, of meditation. Um, I try to do it every day. I'm more successful with the yoga than the meditation on most days. And I'm by far more successful with the beer or glass of wine at the end of the day than, <laughs> than the morning rituals. Yeah. 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 So I was telling a friend last night, we were doing a co-working session. It was kind of late. And she was like, I'm really, the last session, I'm going to go work out. And then she was like, mm -hmm. I was like reading James Clear, the Atomic Habits. Just mm -hmm. I was going to get off of it, you know, a habit. But what happens, the, the stopping of the habit, the stopping of the thing that you want to become a habit is when you don't, go back each day become, Oh, I'll do it the next day. I'll do it the next day. Right. Right. I was like, Hey, cause she's about the book. And I'm like, Hey, James clear. Remember get on that treadmill, even if it's for two minutes, mm -hmm. you, so, mm -hmm. you know, the next day your body knows, okay. You know, but if you stop, yeah. then it's most likely going to stop tomorrow. Mm -hmm. so, I'll do it for like two minutes. I'm yeah. curious to find out today. I bet you she stayed on for 10. Oh, she <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 completely agree with that um, idea because I've found that in the past when I've tried to overdo it. So I want to do an hour of yoga every day. I don't do it at all because I just, I don't feel like doing an hour or I don't feel like I have the time in my day to devote a whole hour to this thing. So I don't do it at all. But when you give yourself the room and the permission to do, like you said, two minutes, if that's all you can do today, it's better than nothing. Um, you're more likely to keep going, or at least that's what I found in my experience. Yeah, even just being yeah. Because mm -hmm. we're always doing something on the phone, scrolling, and then it was Clubhouse. I mean, that's just like, you can be down the rabbit hole all day on Clubhouse. Yeah. You know? <laughs> to the next, to the next, to the next, you know? But just stop and just being still in the moment. If you're just sitting in a chair for 10 minutes or five minutes, like that gives your body a chance to just say, oh, relax. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I wanted to, uh, as we start to wrap up, I wanted to end with a uh, prompt. And that mm -hmm. prompt today is silence is golden. When you hear that prompt, what do you, what do you, what comes to mind? Mm. The first thing that came to mind, and I think probably because we just mentioned this is 
meditating and the process of not overthinking, not always doing, just relaxing and being and how nourishing that can be for your mental health, for your body. That's the first thing that that came to mind is the act of the act of meditation. Um, yeah, I, I, I also find that sometimes some of the best ideas come in that moment of silence, of not doing too much, of listening. Um, I think another thing that comes to mind is learning. I think within, within silence, you're more likely to receive um, ideas, information, sounds, inspiration. Um, so I, I think of learning um, of questioning in when I think of, you know, when I think of that quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about science is golden when I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm reading a fiction book, you can't mm-hmm. tell me when I'm reading nonfiction because to me, nonfiction is always to me like I'm studying. So it's like mm-hmm. you know, you're in college and you're in the library and someone comes right. in and you're studying like, <laughs> What's up? Like, oh, hey, you know, so I can be interrupted with that, but I'm in a fiction book, like, you know, I'll just you know, leave me alone. Um, mm-hmm. I was saying that, or silence is golden when I'm like upset or super frustrated. Um, yeah. My mom sometimes will ask me, like, are you okay? Are you all right? And I'm like, I am currently mad right now, you know, like, <laughs> 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 like yeah. <laughs> So like silence is golden right now, especially when I'm like, uh, um, or feel angst about something in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silence. Yeah, it's 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 um it's ironic when I think of last year and how in many cities silence became a source of anxiety and fear. Um, because it wasn't the norm. Um so yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to interpret that. But I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind really is, is, is peacefulness, learning, meditating, reflection. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Love it. Yeah, yeah so all this silence is going today. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I love it. Thank you so much. So thank you. Yeah, of course. It's lovely to speak with you. Just I um always been fascinated by the type of work that you do, but never really met anyone to like kind of go behind the scenes and peek behind the curtain. So I appreciate you sharing that with myself and everyone else who's uh, tuning in. So if we want more and more of Jessica and see what she's <laughs> doing in the world and when this thing that she's working on right now is able to be known about, like, how can we, uh, how can they find you? Um, I think the best way to reach me is through my website. So Jessica Sarkodie, which 
would be spelled in an American accent, sarkodi.com. <laughs> um, I think all my work and the ways to reach me will constantly be updated there. Um, yeah, so I would say my website is the best way to keep up with my work and um, contact me if need be. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. And I'll put your website in the show notes too, but sometimes between now and then some things have come up for you and you're like, hey, I'll reach me here. So I like for people just to mm. say, hey, reach me. Sometimes they like to be, you know, contacted through DMs on Instagram. So I just want to allow that space. Right. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. I'll have mm-hmm. that in the show notes for people to click and go and see her work. Cause that's why I was like, Hey, I spent two, <laughs> months, two and a half months in Ghana and I wanted to come back this year. So when I saw your images, I was just like, Oh, you know, it's just yeah. it's like, I miss it. And, yeah. Hopefully you can come back soon. I you know, know. hopefully Yes. It becomes safe for you to be able to do that yes. in the very near future. Yes. Fingers and crossed. Eat, eat. Good food. Yes. <laughs> very spicy. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming. I appreciate everyone else tuning in today. And please leave us uh, some messages or comments uh, below and we'll be glad to answer any questions you may have and read your comments that you leave so have a good one we'll see you later bye bye thank you